This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Performance Anxiety and thank you for listening. This week's guest comes all the way from Austria. Matt Boroff is dropping a new album. It's a bit of a departure from his guitar-based albums of the past, but that's just part of this episode. He tells us why he moved from New Jersey to Austria, although the bigger question is, why wouldn't you? He explains his visual approach to music, how he connected with Mark Lanigan, and why he had a raw onion in his ear. Follow him at Matt Boroff on social media. Follow us at Performance ANX. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. Now bust out your own home remedies for anything and listen to Matt Boroff. Hi, this is Matt. Um, okay. Hi, this is musician and sometimes emotional contortionist Matt Boroff. I have a new album called Beautiful Machine coming out, and you are listening to Performance Anxiety. Well, this is really awesome. I've been listening to a lot of the music, uh, out of your back catalog and the new music, and it's... No, I really like it. So uh, I don't usually contact... guests as much as as you and i have been in touch with each other so it's it's pretty awesome i actually okay no yeah it was was totally cool i'm I'm, thank and i'm I'm glad that you reached out for me reached out to me after you heard the stuff and uh yeah i'm i'm not uh living on some unreachable cloud yeah (laughs) like that so it's totally down to earth and uh i'm 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 fine with that and i'm I'm, honestly uh as you already spoke with Ian, and, and then I clicked on your uh, page and, and saw the, you know, sort of uh, illustrious <laughs> roster of guests that you have. It's, it's an honor, honor for me to be in, uh, in good company. Oh, so thank, uh, you, thank you. I appreciate thank that. You. That, that means a lot. I've, it's, uh, I've been very fortunate with some of the people I've gotten. It's, uh, it's just a matter of making one or two decent connections. And then I think 
making the, the guests, letting the guests have a good time on the show. Just how are you? I mean, how are you usually getting in touch with people? Just throwing shit against the wall, man. Um, I mean, through social media. Yeah. Just... Yeah. Usually through social media. A couple have been through. Here's this is a weird story um, about how I got some of the guests. Uh, I, I big fan of the band Band of Susans back in okay. the early mid 90s. Is that the band that has like uh, like birds on the covers of their albums? Or um, no, they, they've got like a, uh, like a drawing of a sparrow or something. No, no, I, that, I, I know the name in that, and I, I guess I should know them, but I don't. Uh, band of Susans is like a, a they were like this big art rock band. It had Robert Poss in it. Um, All right, Susan Stanger, um, Karen Hagloff, uh, see Mark Lonergan, uh, Paige Hamilton from Helmet was was in uh-huh. for a little bit, yeah. and. I've I've got all their albums and I really I was listening to it one day. Uh, they they did a lot with uh they, they did some coverage with uh, Reese Reese Chatham's work, um, Glenn mm-hmm. Branca guys like that, and I was uh, listening and I, I was listening to their album Love Agenda and I was looking and I had read somewhere that their guitarist Karen Hagloff had left the band after that one album and gone to medical school and ended up becoming an oncologist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's that's a crazy story. I I I want to know how, what happened. How yeah, did that happen? right. You know, and th- that was one of the first things that really made me want to do this podcast. I was doing another uh, couple of podcasts before this one, and and I decided I want to do. They were more sports oriented, and I decided I want. Oh, yeah, okay. My other big passion is music, so I wanted to do something music. So I reached out to Karen, and she got back, and she was like, "Sure, yeah, we can. I'd come on. We can talk about it." Like a week after, a week before we uh, we had the date set, her PR guy sent me an email. I was like, hey, I, I, I see you're going to have one of my clients on your show. Would you be interested in having somebody else on? Um, but anyway, so you, you had a, your own ear issue that you ended well, up. Yeah, I mean, but, but now it's sort of like, well, I was at the refrigerator <laughs> and I spilled a little milk. You know, but, but you had the but, um, weirdest the weirdest remedy for it i gotta know if this worked okay i mean but now but is this recording now oh yeah yeah okay all right so so it's sort of like um yeah i mean i i, I was just i'm just at a point where like i don't really care i'll just try anything so um <laughs> so what happened it was, suggested, it was suggested to me that i put like uh like a um a dish towel full of like raw onion against my ear for as long as i can stand it for as long so as you can it, stand it yeah, well, it's it's like a I guess you'd say it's like a lonely solution, um, unless someone likes that or following wherever following them wherever they go. But it it, it seemed to uh, alleviate the problem because my ear was well. The story is that I was riding my bike, and suddenly, uh, like I got caught in like this freezing squall uh, rainstorm that was traveling sideways. And it just like went into my left ear. And when I got out of it, I'm like, my ear was just like, uh, you know, it felt like somebody put an envelope opener into my ear ah. and uh, like tickled my brain. And, mm. um, and the next day my ear was just completely closed up. So now it opened a little bit, but the only thing is that it's ringing and it sounds like there's uh, every time I talk, it sounds like there's a, like there's a little cricket burrowed in my ear. So it's mm. really, it's annoying I guess, but at the same time, I feel a little less alone. 
<laughs> but, um, you know, uh, <laughs> a little cricket in your head. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's just it's just not me and me. It's, uh, it's me and uh, it's me like, and a, it's like uh, my wife's grandmother used to say whenever I said we're doing this. She's like, "Who's this? We? You got a mouse in your pocket? So now you got a cricket in your ear." I got a cricket in my ear. So that yeah. that's so so the raw onion on your ear actually helped. Yeah, I mean, don't don't ask me why. I'm, I'm not walking around with um, Matt Boroff's know, home remedies. My ear today, and like you know, lem- lemon drops on my forehead during a, <laughs> a waning gibbous on a Tuesday or something like that. To Vicks, cure, uh, Vicks vapor rub on your feet. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, whatever works. Maybe <laughs> it was like the placebo effect. I, I don't know, but uh, I can hear you. And so, uh, well, that's good. That's all that that's all that matters. That's good. And what a day for you to have a cricket in your head. You gotta sit here and chat for a while on a on yeah, a podcast. Yeah, I'm like the, the Pinocchio of 2020. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so I would try to do as much research as I can on my guests before I have you on. And you're not the easiest guy to no, find information no. on. So what I did was, I found a German wikipedia page on you okay that's probably not good either and i couldn't read it because i don't know german so i had google translate it nice though didn't it it was beautiful yes okay thank you well i had it translated through google or wikipedia whoever translates it right and um do you want to know a little bit about you translated Can, can you please tell me what german wikipedia is um saying about me and how Absolutely. far the lines go. So. Absolutely. This is, this is about um, Matt Borf and the Mirrors. Is, this okay, is how well, it starts. That's a while ago, yeah. That's well, this, this like is, 2006. Uh, yeah, this, this, is, this is how it starts off. So, the trio caused a sensation in the media in 2004 with the release of the self-titled debut album, Matt Boroff. It appeared on the low-end records label, which is operated by drummer Little Konzet. I hope I'm pronouncing yeah. that right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. At the time, Matt Borf won the Ton Band Test online band competition. The jury, consisting of well-known Austrian music journalists, described the music as, and this is in quotations, dirty, fresh, irritating, exciting, and made international comparisons. Had the Jesus Lizard ever recorded a pop album, it probably would have sounded like this. That's, yeah, that's true. I mean, that, I, I remember that. Dirty, fresh, irritating, and exciting. I think um, that's, that's, <laughs> probably, uh, that's probably fair. Okay, so it goes on. The third album, Elevator Ride, was released in, released in March 2008. The band was now called Matt Borf and the Mirrors to underline the relevance of the rhythm section for the sound of the trio. Elevator Ride was also received with euphoria by the critics. The Austrian daily newspaper Der Standard spoke of a kind of rockabilly shot by the wolf of punk grunge and desert rock old but new what in the hell is the wolf of punk i don't know well, i'm no, not the wolf of there, punk. i'll tell you one, one thing that um 
uh, one uh, one German word I really like, and I don't like them all. I don't know them all, but they have like a really direct way of saying things sometimes. And what we call it directly translated, what we call a meat grinder, they call a flesh wolf. Whoa! So it's like this metal wolf, you know, just like with jaws. Wow. Eating your um, eating your meat and, and, and turning it into like a, a Play-Doh creation <laughs> or something. So, uh, yeah, wow. the, the wolf of and, and the, yeah, maybe that's something. That, I mean, that's a way of describing things. But uh, it's, it be your next like album. It's nice, abstract and you, poetic. You, so your next album could be just called the Wolf of Punk. The the yeah the the flesh wolf the okay. flesh wolf <laughs> the meat wolf. So I go okay. So I guess what they're trying to say is that you take those three genres and you kind of mix them all together. Yeah, I don't know that I mix grunge around, but um. So all right. Yeah, I, I guess it's it's yeah it's like a smorgasbord of um some of those some of those things or it was then and uh, you know I think that so that's like uh, a le- twelve years ago. Yeah, it's the last been a one. Um, yeah, that's what German Wikipedia. How, when did you get into music? When did you start playing? Um, cause you're from New Jersey, right? Originally. Yeah, I'm from New Jersey and, uh, whereabouts in Jersey in West, West Orange, New Jersey. West I know Orange. exactly where that is. I, I, I grew up in uh Branchburg. So like right out, right. right between Flemington and Somerville. Yeah. It's uh yeah. North Jersey, like, um, pretty, um, pretty close to new york city yeah right outside the i don't know 15 20 minutes depending on traffic outside of the holland and lincoln tunnel um yeah i mean i well i mean where do you want me to begin i got into music uh um, when did i get into it or when did i become uh, a musician who was playing live when how did you start when when did the fascination with music begin did you do did you grow up in a house full of music where your parents? Yeah, well, my, my father, um, yeah, my, my father was um, not a musician, but I would say uh, not from the perspective qualities that were sort of, uh, you know, had he tapped into them, he probably um, would have been a good musician, but his right. life didn't turn out that way. But he was really into, uh, yeah, I mean, he was into the Rolling Stones and a lot of like Motown, uh, Led Zeppelin, I guess uh, this was like the late 60s, early 70s. And uh, my first real experience with music is um, he. I had this little like orange and white plastic record player that, you know, like turned into a suitcase and yeah. like, carry it around. Like I had that when I was like four or five. And he, he gave me, I don't know exactly what the circumstances were, but he gave me like the Rolling Stones Hot Rocks <laughs> record, which I think is like it's like their hits from '65 to '70 or something like yeah, that, something or maybe like that. '71 or two. And uh, I don't know why he gave it to me, but I'm imagining because like I might have gravitated toward it, and he saw that no, I'm okay, he actually he actually likes this. Yeah. And I uh, I just remember listening to that record, and I was like staring at this uh, cover, which was like a I think it was like a photo montage of the band that somebody had done, where like their their heads sort of like a russian uh, what is it called like a matryoshka doll oh, is that how you pronounce it like yeah. their heads were fitting in like you know it looked like a series of coconuts or something yeah well, one and inside the other looking, yeah and i was trying to you know why does the reason that painted black sounds this way is because of the way this looks like i was trying to 
you know, and, I know and, what you mean. And just like that fascination. And, and then, uh, yeah, music, um, uh, was always around me and there was just a lot of like, uh, uh yeah, I guess at the time was, everything was sort of like emotionally turbulent and that was sort of my raft or anchor like it is for a lot of people. And that's yeah. always where, where, where I went and, um, started with that. And then I, had um i think i began like playing guitar when i was like 10 by just begging my parents for a guitar and i think i had an uncle that let me an acoustic and then i was able to rent one from a music store at some point but it kind of uh just sat on a in in the corner of my room i wanted it to play itself yeah <laughs> I, I didn't i didn't realize that you know you had to actually sit there and go through like these rudimentary exercises until it like gets into muscle memory. And, and when I was, um, 14, well, I, well, just to backtrack a little bit, I, all I did was draw. Oh, like, okay. I was just drawing, 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 drawing. And, you know, it sort of like felt preordained in a way that, okay, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna be an artist or something like that. I didn't know exactly what that meant. I just drew a lot and didn't do anything else. <laughs> and so, um, at a certain point, I think when I, when I was like 13 going on 14, um, I, I just said to myself, like, um, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to commit myself to this, uh, instrument and learn how it works Okay. And because there was something, because I was just so, uh, I don't know, depressed and hate filled at the time that there was something so much more immediate and visceral about connecting with music than there was with drawing a picture at least the way it was for me at the age right. of 13 or 14 and just you know being blasted against the wall by an amplifier was um a, a lot more thrilling to me and so oh, yeah, i yeah. just kind of i just uh for better or for worse i'm kind of a person as tunnel vision okay and i just sort of like selectively go about things and i selectively said like this is what i'm going to do and I, I just played guitar like relentlessly with albums that I was listening to in my bedroom until I could play like a year later. Oh, so so, and, and that was all I, all I did. I'm, you know, I was kind of like self-taught and just okay. playing along. With, uh, yeah. At the time, what would have been like, um, yeah, just like certain hardcore bands and like early, early Metallica and like Slayer and stuff like yes. that. Like that, that's what was connecting with me at the time. And, um, I just was playing along with those things and, you know, doing like palm muting and trying to figure out like, how do you, to me, it was always just a sound. It was like, how do you make, how do you make this thing sound like that? Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. What's a, what's a pedal like what and all that. And, and just, um, yeah, it was just like one, one thing at a time. And like that one thing led to another, but it, it began, it began that way. Okay. So, you know, just wanting to make something uh, intense happen with this instrument. I completely understand that. I completely and and I get the uh, the whole thing the wanting to make that sound and and not knowing exactly how to make that intense yeah sound. And, and I approached it from like this drawing perspective, which I kind of still do. It's sort of like, well, when I do it this, when I do this. And this, and I follow it by this, it kind of creates this picture. 
But when I do this and this and this and I follow it by that, creates this picture and tells a different story. So it was always about like, how does it feel? What kind of picture does it create? You know, not like what note is this? So I have That's no awesome. understanding of like how that worked at the time. And so it was always sort of like, uh, I don't know, there's this, uh, I've heard this expression, uh, what you don't know is supported by what you do know. And it was sort of something like that, you know. Okay. I, I didn't have any. I didn't have an alternative. I knew a teacher, so. Well, that's a great approach to to think of the the music visually. Uh, like you're saying, this yeah, is. Yeah, I still do. I still. That's literally what I still do. That's a, That's it's, fantastic. It's the same, same thing. There's nothing. There's nothing complicated about it. It's just like if you do these three things, I see this picture, and it's sort of like if you're looking at clouds, and you say, well, you know that cloud looks like a monkey <laughs> making a piece of toast in a toaster that looks like a chevy but if he's gonna have toast then i guess he's gonna need some butter so yeah. that's what comes next you know they're like there's no there's a logic to it but it's there's no logic to it at all it's like completely made up but um, the way you described it makes sense though all right. To me, at least, because I'm a I'm a visual guy. I was a photographer for years, and, and oh, that, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. That yeah. makes sense to me. Trying to trying to figure it out visually. Yeah, I had never thought of it that way, to be honest. Because I I play some very rudimentary guitar uh -huh. alone in one of my rooms in my house because nobody else wants to hear it. So maybe that I should think about that doing it that way. Because I'm again, I don't know. Well, it's, uh, you know, the, this synesthesia thing is, it, it's just the seeing sounds and hearing colors. Like it, I think that can operate in varying degrees with people, but I think that, um, I think the goal of any artist in any medium is, you know, to, to provoke a sensation mm -hmm. in somebody. And, um, I, I guess everybody reacts differently, but that's just the way it's always, um, operated with me is that m music is, uh. It's it's all about it. It's moving in your head. So when did you start meeting other people and playing in bands? Um. Well, when I was, uh, yeah, you know, can I just run to yeah. the bathroom? Yeah, absolutely. Right back. No problem. No problem. I will pause this. Every, everything everything you tell me, like, I, I just like see this <laughs> yellow bottle filling up with urine. No okay. problem. I'm pausing it. All right, we're back. God, that's much better now. Um, <laughs> what happened was, uh, yeah, so I was in uh, high school in West Orange and in art class. There was um, this, I guess it's, uh, you know, when you're in art class, there can be people that are a few years older than you in the same class. Yeah. So in my art class, there was this, um, this guy, Jerry, and um, he was always talking about music and he was in a band and he was like part of this uh, group of people that, as I said, it was like right outside New York city yeah. close enough. And, and there was, uh, I think it was, uh, like they had this matinee Sunday matinee thing at CBGB where it's like all ages. Oh yeah. So you yeah. Could be like 14 years old and you could just go to like any hardcore show that they had on Sunday. And like that, that's what they did. And there was a whole like a hardcore scene of like young kids that were um, running around. He and he was part of that, and and they had a band, and he and his. I was just uh, you know fascinated by he was two years older than me, and uh, was already playing shows 
all the time, uh, you know, in, in, in North New Jersey and, and New York. And they had a band that rehearsed like five days a week after school. Oh, wow. And so I, uh, it's at some point he, uh, probably because of me just like pestering him with questions <laughs> and, you know, I, all I want to do is talk about guitar and, um, he invited me to rehearsal. Um, they rehearsed in like the drummer's basement and my, my mother, uh, had to drive me there and they <laughs> said, yeah, you, you, you can come to rehearsal <laughs> and, and watch us play. And so I, uh, I bought like my, my little practice amp and guitar with me Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to watch, to watch them rehearse and like, just in case I you know, rang the doorbell, like open up the doorbell, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, oh yeah. What are you doing? A practice amp and a guitar. I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm like, I don't know. and they're just like, eh, I just pulled it out. I'm like a like a complete fucking idiot. You know, like, and they didn't want to hear me play or anything like that. It wasn't an audition, but I watched them practice, and my ears were ringing because I'm, um, you know, at the time, like they bought like stack amps. Oh wow, yeah, like that with like you know eight like eight 12 inch speakers in a, in a little room in a basement. And that was, that was just like it for me. I saw that. And that I just said, I have to uh, be doing this. And I, I think I was four. No, I was probably 15 at that point. And then like half a year or a year later, like I, yeah, I tried to play with people and start something up but for one reason or the other that didn't work out. And I heard that they were going to get rid of their or you know, their second guitarist was leaving and okay. um you know i just like had their demo cassette and so i learned all their songs and i just sort of <laughs> jumped at the chance to audition for this band that played you know five days a week and had already had regular gigs oh yeah and so um making a long story short i i made the audition and i i i got into the band and within like, um, yeah, a pretty short amount of time, we were, we were playing all the time. And um, I was still okay. in high school. That's that's and, amazing. Uh, well, I mean, when I say all the time, it wasn't like a coast to coast. Right. Rehearsal, but I had re you know, rehearsal five days a week and and played, um, you know, re regular gigs. And uh, it just never stopped from there. Like it was just um, it started early. And uh, that was that. So this was like what the like the early '90s or so. Yeah, it was okay. like 1988. Probably okay. when that happened. Um, the early '90s. I mean, I was I was still I graduated high school in '89, so um, it was probably like '88 and then '89, and then after I graduated, that that situation persisted in that band. I think for like another you know almost ten years. Oh, wow. Okay. So you had uh, kind of supported and, and acts like, you know, Nirvana, Queens of Stone Yeah, that was, at that, time. that was at that time. Okay. And, um, you know, we were playing a lot, and so it wasn't like Nirvana said, hey, come open for us. Right. <laughs> you know, if, if, you play, if you're around playing all the time at that time, there's a good chance that um, we opened up for lots of people. Yeah. And um, we're all over the – I mean, we're – just playing regularly in North New Jersey and and, and New York and um, that yeah we, we opened for them at like City Gardens and Trenton where there was just like a oh my like gosh a yes. flow of uh, all all kinds of great bands and then came through there 
and we opened up. I remember for, that uh, place. When I was 18, we we opened up for the Bad Brains. The Bad Brains wow. at uh, what used to be the the Ritz. What used to, I guess that was a little like Studio 54. And right, right. It was really exciting. And like, um, it, I, I might be getting this wrong, uh, but this is at least the way I remember it, is that there was the band like, uh, it was like us, Bad Brains, and Leeway, and there was this band, Sick of It All. Yeah, I remember and them. somebody, for the way it was booked or something like that, they bumped them from the bill and they put us on. And oh, so, wow. you know, back then it was always just like the uh, the barrier uh, between like the scene itself and the bands. Like there was no barrier. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was great about it. And they just said, well, basically, I don't know, they told their fans, you know, just like an annihilate this band you know when they get on stage so like some guys like bought their parents you know because it was a couple thousand people in a place like that and oh my like, gosh but it was like an old style theater and the curtain went up and like just as the, just the first note it was just like beer and saliva <laughs> and everything that could be thrown oh, and uh yeah i just remember thinking like oh my god this is awful but then the next second like uh, i was no actually uh, just being up there and like standing your ground and doing what you do is like this kind of fun in the same way that a roller coaster is fun. Right. And uh, I, it was really, it was really cool. It was like having a mud fight. I mean, that, that was really a, another time. Yeah. Oh my, you know, music back then, it was, I don't know. It was to me, I can't imagine growing up any, any other time because my, my brother's a couple years younger than me. But he's a big fan of 50s, 60s, and early 70s stuff. He never got into the stuff, yeah. the, you know, the, the, what was heavy and popular back, you know, about the same time, you, you know, because I think we're, we're mm -hmm. approximately the same age. I graduated in 91, so I was probably seeing a lot okay. of the same shows that you were yeah, seeing. Definitely. And to me, I can't even, I, I mean, I like 50s, 60s, 70s stuff, but the stuff from our time period is what really resonates with me and, and, and what I really gravitate to. And, mm -hmm. you know, just, I can't even imagine being a part of it on the stage. That, that to me would have just blown um, me away. Well, well you know what? I, I, when I kind of like, you know, maybe I'll be like lying in bed, like doing really bad math, thinking about <laughs> when was that? Wow. You know, and, and what, what always strikes me is that like, and this just might be like completely fucking like old man talk, yeah. but but I think like I just never knew that that was like the end of something. You know, when you're in it, you, you never thought, well, the, you know, this is like the last gasp of, uh, you know, that's the old man talk. Maybe yeah. it's not the last gasp. I'm just too ignorant to know what else is actually going on or like where <laughs> it gravitated towards. But it, it was sort of like, yeah, there was this, there was this, there was this, then there was that. And then what happened? Like it, it just, it just all kind of, um, went into the recycling bin and it just became like a, a Xerox copy of a Xerox copy of, of, of something else that was put in a glass and got diluted about seven or eight times. And then yeah. it's just sort of, um, yeah, that's sort of like this, maybe imaginary purist way of looking at it. But, well, but um, you make a good it, point, something, though. something stopped, you know, and if you were there, you'd go, okay, that was really, like, it was actually dangerous. Yeah. And, um, th that's important. Well, and, and there's, there's been a 
big shift since the time that, that you know, you were starting out in, in the late 80s, early 90s and being a part of that to, let's say, right now. Because if you look at a concert experience, it's completely different. You know, 75% of the people are there with their cell phone streaming whatever show is, you know, watching the show that's right in front of them on their phone. And then there's the proliferation of home recording, but it's completely different than, you know, DIY demos back in the 80s. You know, you're not plugging into a boombox. There there were, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it was just like, it it was a, it was a battle between the, the bands and the crowd yeah. Who was trying to get up on the stage and the bouncers just beating the <laughs> shit out of people. Yes. And, and I mean, real people really got hurt. Oh, like, yeah. It was really, and just imagining that today, it's, it's unthinkable. Yeah. You know, that would even, um, some, somebody would film it and that would be oh, yeah. the, the end of clubs. I mean, I remember going to shows and, and people jumping on stage to stage dive and, you know, somebody, a roadie or a, a bouncer would come from the stage and literally tackle them and throw them back into the crowd. You can't, that, that would be insane to them. Yeah, but if they, they got you out, you know, in the back alley by the fire escape or something, I mean, yeah. the, you're just like a, a chew toy for a dog. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that was, um, yeah, I, I'm not saying that's good, um, <laughs> it's just but different. I'm just saying that like that element of danger or what, whatever it is, it's just like, it just, in some ways that aspect of performance or that aspect of going to shows, it's, it's like this, uh, sterilized, neutered behind thick glass, you know, with gloves on version yeah. of that today. And I, I, or aspects of it are not all of it. I'm, I'm sure it exists in pockets that people don't know about, but uh, just in general, I would have never thought do when you, I'm just answering your question about doing that back then, it never occurred to me like while doing it, that it could have been the end of something. Yeah. But that's how life is. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't think of the end as you're doing it, especially at that no. age. You don't think about a part of your body like until it stops working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, no, that's how a lung works. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I got two of them now. You see, okay, so you were doing live shows, playing, opening, recording? Well, yeah. I mean, the, ba- the band that I was in um, uh, went through a couple changes, and I, I ended up going solo because I was such a – you know, horrible human being. Oh, was this Planet Dread? Play with me anymore? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, yeah, I, I started playing uh, solo, and I began singing um, songs that I was writing. I had no idea what I was doing, but once again, I was just sort of following a, a feeling. Okay. And following, you know, it was just always a matter of like trying to match. There, there was always a margin between what I was hearing in my head and what I was able to do. I know that feeling. And, uh, it was always, and I was just trying to sort of match what I was feeling or hearing with what I was able to do, but you're doing that on stage. So were um, you, were you and, singing and the entire I, time uh, up to this no, point? No, I okay. only started doing that in like 1997 or eight. I really yeah. started to do, sing. And I mean, horribly and um i uh well sometimes i think it's harder when you actually like play an instrument and you have the sensation that well i want it to sound this way and so i'll do this and now it sounds this way 
you know, and then, yeah. <laughs> well, I want my voice to sound this way and I'll, and then it's, it's just so <laughs> far away that you're like, you know, it's almost like paralyzing. Yeah. <laughs> you're like paralyzed with horror. And yeah. You, you can't just add back. a pedal to your voice to make it do what you want. Yeah. Right. Or, or yeah, I mean, but unless you're Billie Eilish, why? Yeah. Just knowing how to marry it with um, <laughs> what you're already doing. Yeah. I, I went through that and um, I started to do that. I was just playing a bunch of solo shows in, in New York mainly okay and at the time that that happened um that my band kind of fizzled out i met my uh wife to be um marion and um she was from austria okay and so yeah we uh fell in love and she was just like with me every step of the way in, in in the music and um i had been to austria a couple times with her like i think the first time in like 96 actually oh cool and then uh again maybe in like 98 and i was playing these uh solo shows you know working all these odd jobs and it was clearly going nowhere right and um we just said, uh, well, okay, well, why don't we just go to Europe or go to Austria rather. And, um, to me, I, even though I'd been there like twice, I could not tell you what the difference was between Austria, uh, Sweden and, uh, you know, Yugoslavia right. was the difference. It was just going to Europe for me. Yeah there's, yeah. there's a lot of differences, but I thought, yeah, well, you know, Hey, why not? Sure. What the and hell? So I did. And I'm still here. And it's, and it's been 20 years. Yeah. You know, you just look back and go, um, as I said, doing lying in bed, like doing bad math in your head. It makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. So So you moved to Austria. How long before you start playing music and and hooking up with the guys that would end up becoming the mirrors? That all happened. Well, there was an earlier version of that um, little concept. I met I met him like with within like eight months. We, we were living in the basement of an orthodontist's office, and they were, like they mixed the chemicals, yeah. you know. And, and, I, and I had I had this cat at the time, and there were no the, the windows were milk glass with bars on them. Oh my god! And we had a cat, and they were mixing chemicals down there for what, whatever. Uh, these molds for teeth yeah. and sort of like there was this odor of chemicals and then you'd open a door after, <laughs> after a long day of, you know, working in a factory, which is what the only thing I was able to do then. And, and it, there was just like this, you'd be knocked over by this wave of cat shit <laughs> odor because the cat, you know, then you're like, okay, it's time to change the litter box. And, um, <laughs> so that's the first place we live. But, Luckily, like a couple blocks away, there was this rehearsal space and it's small over there. And just one thing led to another. And I met um, little concept who had a rehearsal space and studio there. And we just uh, started a band um, that and I based on my songs. And um, that started pretty quick over there. And we were playing live uh, yeah, within within a year of me getting over there. Oh wow! I was, I was able to. I just it was it was 
I just remember describing it. Not that anyone uh, who's listening might know what an etch a sketch is. Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's sort of like if you made one of these. Like, you ever see somebody like make a really detailed picture with an etch a sketch? Yes. And you're like, wow, you have a lot of time. And yeah. how did you do that? <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's like while they're doing it, somebody would reach over their shoulder and just grab the etch a sketch and just shake <laughs> it like vigorously and hand it back to them and go here. Like that, that's kind of what it felt like. It just it was a complete uh, reset. You know, like, no, I didn't know wow. anyone. No one knew who I was for good and bad. And yeah. um, I think, uh, yeah, it was like a weird way to just like start again. And I'm, re- I'm an extremely stubborn person. And uh, I stubbornly just stayed yeah. <laughs> and, and just did it. I'm going to make this work, damn it. Yeah. So here I am. Well, the there's a shift in the sound because I was listening to some of the Planet Dread stuff, and it's <laughs> you don't have to roll your eyes. It's not bad. It's it, but it's like a heavy psych sound. It, it reminded me a lot of like Mind Funk. Um, really? Yeah, okay. I get this, like I was I, I was in that band too for a little while. Oh, you were in Mind Funk? Yeah. Well, I they, they had that guy. Um, what was his name? That uh, he was in Nirvana. Jason Everman. Soundgarden. Then he was in Mindfunk, and then they kicked him out, and then I replaced him. And then he became like a Navy Seal. Tours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jason so, Everman. Uh, I was his replacement for a couple tours. That's crazy. Um, and then uh, I hadn't seen that well, anywhere. You know, if you would, maybe I have to go back and listen. But I, I, I think that was a band where we were uh, trying to sound a certain way, but we didn't. And what it ended up sounding like that, and uh, yeah, to me it was it was sort of based in like I don't know, like Bad Brains, really old Black Sabbath, old King Crimson, old Pink Floyd, and a whole bunch of other like eclectic sort of things that sort of uh, overlapped with whatever was going on in the moment. Yeah, with grunge and all that, where it sort of seemed to fit, but we weren't a, a grunge band or anything like that. But you 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 kind of you progressed from that heavy psych into more of a dead like the Germans had described it a, a the wolf of desert and uh, grunge and 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 right. some, <laughs> well, when I was I, all I used to do was you know play and record and I I couldn't get enough of it it was hard to tolerate me <laughs> I think because I. You know, I, I was really like into it. I didn't have any other anything else in my life. That was all I did. And so in addition to being in that band, um, I was sort of like moonlighting as this uh, recording artist that I just recorded um, on a, you know four track demos and uh, pretty much just like nonstop. And I was exploring like all kinds of sounds I worked in record store and i just would you know you're just sitting there for whatever it was like eight hours a day and i like yeah. see something come in and i would put things away to like stock the shelves and just like you know by process of eliminate you, you, the, the benefit of working there is you could buy something with a discount at the end of the week you know so i would say yeah. like well all right this guy's on it those songs don't sound so bad you know so and so produced it that's maybe exactly this, what maybe I do. Th- maybe this is going to be good. 
you know, and, and I would get that. And a lot of times it was just like a complete bummer. And other times <laughs> I would have to sit and listen to an, an hour of music to go, Hey, you know, these four songs are really cool. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know about the other five or, right. or, or six, but maybe they'll grow on me. And through doing that and just listening, 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 I was just really like a sponge and just trying to take in like all kinds of things. And so I would explore those aspects of what I was into on my own in like four track recordings that I couldn't get into the band format with whatever it was at the time. And so okay. I think like later on and even now, like a lot of those things were kind of drummed into me in a more um, impressionable age, you know, where I, where I was more uh, just finding out who and who I was. And so I think a lot of it, um, it wasn't just like I was able to, I just sort of jumped from this to this to this. It was there, but I, I just like found a way to incorporate it that um, made sense. Okay. Well, if it, you ask. It, <laughs> I was listening to your first few albums like reaching for sparks sweet hand of fate and grand delusion and they seem to and maybe it's just the order in which i listen to this just seem to get a little heavier each one seems a little bit heavier than the previous ones specifically you mean like um texturally or emotionally uh texturally uh, okay. reaching for sparks you know it, it's especially going from that to sweet hand of fate there's uh, a lot more heaviness going on in in sweet hand of fate than there was well, in reaching for Spark. what happened was uh, my my daughter was born and um <laughs> I, I recorded that album like in this in sort of like hushed tones Genesis of the genesis of the album, okay. like these hushed tones, like a room away from where she was napping, uh. and uh, and then I, yeah, I, I later recorded the the rest of it um, in a better studio with uh, my friend friend partner and engineer Martin, and uh, but it was based on that, and that's why it okay that way. And I just left uh, the mirrors, and what we did on record and on stage was, you know, it was really, you know, much more of a heavy kind of onslaught. Yeah. And so this was, uh, I guess I was sort of like scratching an itch by doing that record. Not that I, you know, I still really like the songs on it, but. Oh yeah. It's, it's great anyway, stuff. I don't want to stop you um, where you were heading with that. So. Oh no, it's uh, what I wanted to say was that the albums all, what I really like about them is that, there's a, a variety of music in it. It's not just like if you listen to a Queens of the Stone Age album or a Nirvana album or Alice in Chains. It's it's all heaviness, you know. Especially Grand Illusion, you've got um, you've got the harder, heavier tracks, but you've also got some softer, quieter stuff. And there, but there's also humorous stuff like going to the hypnotist and thing, you know that.
there's a sense of humor to it that is really really refreshing compared to a lot of bands would just pound you with heaviness or they're just well yeah i mean i i i think i sort of if i look back now i've been sort of saying you know maybe i'm saying trying to express or say something on one record and like a little bit of it squeezes out and the rest of it gets said on the next record or something like that and it's um you know i i i'd like to think there's a through line you know between that all, all that stuff that uh gives it some level of consistency but i guess if if you're your own editor yeah <laughs> you, you, you really just like well i want to do this and something like that and i want to say this but i don't want to say it that way i want to say it this way and i want to have a little of that of course and so um yeah i might be a little guilty of that too but uh that that's probably why it's just you know somebody who's I, i've never had a problem I've had a lot of problems. wasn't hasn't been a shortage of a shortage of ideas. So you know, trying to kind of put a frame That's, around that in any particular moment might might be a little bit might be responsible for like a certain uh, level of eclecticism that's uh, you know, sort of squirting out of the frame. Well, one of the things that, that I enjoyed lyrically for you is that you have this great ability to write and and sing about broader topics and, and this goes through you know all your, the, the albums without it sounding I don't know, like like cliche or cheesy oh thanks you know it's because, uh, that's tough it's a tough uh <laughs> go ahead it didn't, so. it, the, the songs don't sound impersonal because i've i've had guests on where, where you know they'll they'll write a song and it's a specific story about a specific thing that happened to them back when they were a teenager but you know you, you've got You've got some of those, but you've also, you know, you've also got wider ideas in your, in your songwriting that don't come across as like some, some eighties ballady scorpions type of thing. Well, th I mean, thank you. You're, you're, um, <laughs> you're, you're making my, I don't know if that came across making, right. My, you know, my, my sleep, uh, it's going to be a lot easier to fall asleep. Oh, good. Um, good. Hearing that. Cause yeah, it's, it's just like. <laughs> I'll be singing about some things, you know, allegorically, if that's a word. And then, uh, <laughs> what I think there's like this saying, I don't really like the word darling, but that's how you can tell it's an old saying. It's like, kill, it's like, um, let your darlings out. Okay. But then kill, but then kill them. Oh. <laughs> and so it, it's sort of like, you know, I, I'm letting it out. Like, you know, I want to write about this because it bothers me or I want to write about this because it resonates with me. But how I write about it is really the thing. And then a afterwards, you're like, well, I, 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 I hope I got it right, because um, <laughs> th this is just like, you know, straddling the line between uh, I would be the first person to say that's the most pretentious fucking yeah. thing. I've ever heard, you know, and, and I'm, I'm never going to be able to stop vomiting now yeah. because I hear on this thing. And it's just like, that's what I'm doing oh. or maybe not, you know, and, or, or, and it's, um, what I mean is, um, I might think that retroactively, but I allow myself to kind of just go with what I feel mm -hmm. and whether, I, you know, I might have a really self-deprecating 
sense of humor approach to everything I do, but I don't, I try to not let it interfere with whatever impulse might be moving me at the moment. And so I've written about those things. I continue to, yeah, on my latest album that's going to be out soon. And, uh, well, yeah, well, thank you, Mark. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, now, how? Speaking of Marks, how did you get hooked up with Mark Lanigan? Because I heard from an Orange that you guys had the same dentist. Are you saw that? Huh? Yeah, um, <laughs> I okay, do yeah, my research. Me, that was that was me trying to be trying trying to be funny. I love that video. I love that. Um, thanks. I um, yeah. I opened up for Mark when he was on tour with um, Isabel Campbell. Oh, he, he yeah. was one of the singers. And so I opened up for them in Vienna on the Reaching for Sparks tour. Okay. And uh, I, I ended up seeing Mark uh, backstage and I told him, you know, that I was just a big fan, which I, I really am and have been for a long time. And I guess as a, as a result of that conversation, he just just checked out my live set and and uh liked it and told me so and awesome and so i said you know when we ended up exchanging like emails and, and phone numbers and and so i um asked him at some point maybe a couple months after that if he'd be interested in lending his voice to a track um i'd written his s and and uh that was that but i know that you're me Love, love, here I am Laying my weapons in your hands I may be the blindest man on earth I may be blessed, I may be cursed Love, love, here I am Laying my weapons in your hands I may be the blindest man on earth I may be I love it. I mean, Garbage Man and, and Thirst are both amazing tracks. And I, what, I, what I like is that your voice is similar to his, but different. I mean, to me, your voice is kind of like a mixture of like uh, Mark Lanigan meets Neil Diamond. Okay. Which I love. I I love Neil no, Diamond. I, I, you could. I'm, I'm, just, I'm sort of like the. Yeah. I'm like the diet version of Mark. <laughs> Mark so with less nicotine. Yeah. I'm like the sweet and low. Exactly. Version. No. Um, but yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I I love his singing, and I'm sure that you know, as ma as many people um, talk about Mark's voice, I I think that it almost. I mean, it's probably what they mean, but it almost overshadows what a great singer he is. Yeah. And, and it's just the way he controls the tone that he has and the choices that he makes. And um, uh, anything <laughs> with him that could be connected with me is, is uh, nothing but a, a compliment. So thank you. Oh, well, I want to talk a little bit about the new album coming out, too. Obviously. Yeah. It'd be good to get to that eventually here. But Beautiful Machine is a pretty big departure comparatively speaking to your last albums. It's electronic. I mean, yeah. Is, is, is it mostly electronic? Cause there's, there's parts that I'm, I can't tell if it's a guitar or a synth on well, parts of it. So how did you go both. about doing this? Is it? Uh, no, when the guitar, when there's guitars, I just made on all my albums, um, 
there's always been, uh, I don't know, I, I would, talking in pictures again, if I look at like a Bosch painting or something, Bosch. You know, there's these things that you'll just see and you're like, oh my God, like it's so striking. But if you look closer, like there's this sort of this, this wispy thing way in the background. Yep. I know what you're talking it's, about. It's, it's, it's like shaking hands with another wispy thing. <laughs> yeah. it's like, so it's, it just sort of means like there's this layer within the painting that's sort of like happening um, almost independent of the foreground. And I, I just I, I've always been uh, kind of fascinated by that. Right. I always wanted to have um, this sort of like layer of activity like underneath the record, it's almost like, um, it's just almost seems like a random occurrence, but it just enhances the spookiness of it somehow. Okay. And so with this record, it's almost like that layer that was there and present is just, um, had a frame, um, placed around it and it's more prominent. It's more in the foreground there's more to it than that, obviously. Yeah. But um, what I'm trying to say is those elements have been there, but it's more about um, stripping away the uh, some of the other elements and releasing them from their more uh, you know meat and potatoes like traditional role of okay, here's a riff and here you know, it's like oh, okay, what? and um, I, th- when I played a guitar. There's guitars all over the record, but deliberately, the the principle is always like, you know, how does it, it was always in support of the mood, in support of the sound. What does this do to the, to the tapestry? What does this do to the sound? Like when I rake the strings this way and feed it through the return of a delay, it's sort of, um, you know, creating this polyrhythm with the, with the thing over here. And it's okay. I, I think what I'm trying to say is one of the things um, that I think a lot of guitarists get pulled into is you're, you're always thinking of a guitar as a guitar. And at the end exactly. of the day, you know, when you run a guitar through a delay pedal or reverb or whatever, it's like, what is it now? You know, it's this thing that sort of like creates this tension and vast. It can be a lot of different things. Yeah. And okay. um, I just try to approach the guitar from that angle, almost if I don't know anything about it, you know, and how does it feed this tapestry? And so there's guitars in there, but it's much more, uh, they're much more faceless than I think they would have been had it been, um, okay, you know, there's, there's a signature riff Ooh, yeah, yeah. that starts the song. It's not like that. And here, here comes the, the solo and, and it's, yeah. so it's more more for the the sound instead of the riff it's more how it yeah it's just it's all in service of the sound and the song So the way I, I feel about that is, I, I mean, uh, in, on this record, like, you know, I'm, I'm once again uh, <laughs> skirting the edge of 
a complete pretentiousness, but <laughs> it, it's just that if I, I wanted to express this moment now, what do I feel now? How do I draw a frame around what's happening now? Not what I did 10 years ago, not what I did last week, not what I did in 1989. Right. Now. And, and one of the conclusions that I came to is that this sort of uh, meat and potato, traditional guitar, drums, bass thing have very little to do with now, at least in the terms that I saw it. And, I, and that has nothing to do with me not loving the guitar. I, I do and I, and I always will. And I'm not done with it. But just right now, it was sort of like it, it almost felt like an impediment to have to deal with, well, uh, well, what should the riff do here? It's like, well, forget, you know, they didn't think like that. And that's how it kind of uh, relates to the sound now. Was the the writing, was this a, a deliberate, like you finished your last album, started when you started demoing songs, thinking about these songs, was it immediate? I'm going to just, this well, isn't going to be a guitar-based drums album. It's going to be electronic. Know, everything, I think everything in, in art is, is, is sort of like, it's, it's just like a person with a divining rod. You know, and you just feel... If it's all about, uh, I think, in art, being an artist in whatever fields you're in, it's it's about you know clearing this link between you and these <laughs> impulses, entities, whatever you want to call it, however you however you want to frame it. The muse, like, what are they? What are they? Not, you know, asking you to do like, where's the nudge? Like, are they tugging you in a particular direction? Like, okay. and they are, and the justification for it, um, and the it, it's always kind of retroactive. Where it, so yeah, I felt a tug in a particular direction. I, I can justify it as to why I did it now, right. but it was really it, it, there was really no rationale. It was just like a, you know, your your antenna is up. And you're, and you're, if you're committed to where you are now, then, then I think that that's what the muse or whatever you want to call it favors. If you're trying to kind of wave a flag for, for, for a particular sound or tradition or scene that's been in existence for however long, that's a different story. Right. You know, I, I think that that serves a purpose as well. But if, uh, you know, since I'm more or less when it comes to recording, like a solo artist, I don't have to consult with anybody. Right. I'm able to kind of perch myself um, out on, you know, the, this edge of whatever perimeter it is where, where I'm walking and go, okay, you know, what do you think? What do you feel? Where, where is it leading you? And um, that's what I try to pursue uh, for better or worse. So are you going to be playing this out, Live, you're going to be supporting this yeah. with local shows, and and how far, how how far does a, of a reach are you looking for for this touring wise? Uh, well, the the goal with this record was to just I I wanted to um I, I wanted to just play 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 now and right now it's um my wife Marion and I we're presenting it in, as a duo and there's sort of uh I'm not really interested in reproducing the record uh, note note for note live okay. it's more of an interpretation of the songs oh cool I mean, they'd be instantly recognizable but certain passages are different the arrangements are different and there's just sort of 
there's there, there's always um, pockets for improvisation and, and, and things like that where you're sort of reacting to the song itself. Okay. And, uh, you know, they, they always say, um, I've heard a lot of people say, uh, your, your songs are like your children. Yeah, I've heard and that. If, and, and if that's true, uh, um, when it comes to like recorded music, I'm a horrible parent. <laughs> so, and the only way I can sort of redeem myself to be a better parent is to play them live and sort of get reacquainted with the song and maybe just approach it in, in, in a way that I wasn't able to on the record at the same time do enough justice to it for a person that likes the song because right. they heard it and comes to see it. They're like, yeah, I know what that is. So yeah, there's just going to be a lot of uh, shows. I've a couple shows uh, lined up. Uh, I'm going to be playing in Switzerland, Austria, and Germany in two weeks, oh, nice. and then uh, I think for the next couple of years, it just, just we're just going to take it wherever we can. Is it, are you going to be mixing in some of the stuff from your previous albums? Yeah, there's there's always songs from the other albums in, in, in there too, but it's uh, yeah, it's sort of a live interpretation of those songs. Cool. And it, um, if, you, if you like, I, I prefer them live. Is it going to be just you and your wife or is there, are you going to fill out with a full uh, band? It, it'll, well, I've always kind of played in, I've played, I've presented songs I've recorded on records in a, a playing them solo, playing them in the duo, playing them in a trio with a full band. And, and so it, it's really, um, it, it'll be different formations for different circumstances. But okay. right now we're going to, um, you know, set it off with a with a duo, cool. and, uh, and your wife set it off, kick it off rather. Yeah, and your wife actually plays on the album, and uh, uh, yeah, she she wrote the basis for the instrumental. It's called uh, Reverie, and She's just um, like our whole relationship is because always goes back to music. So she was always in the background, you know, with, with me on every song. Okay. First person I always play it for. Right. And, and now she's in the foreground. So I think it's kind of kind of cool. I mean, years ago we played that way too. But one, one thing led to another, and then it was, it was a trio, and she wasn't in it, and then, so now she's back. Well, Reverie is one of my favorite songs on the album, so please too. Thank you. let Thank her you. know that, because I will. it's Reverie, it's Beautiful Machine, and Future Crimes are my top three on the oh, album. Thanks. Future thanks. Crimes, by the way, is amazing. It gets so crazy. I absolutely love how it ends. It gets it got stuck in my head. That and um, what a shame from Grand Illusion have been oh, okay. stuck in my head since wow. since Ian told me to to contact you and, and have you on the show. Been trying to listen to as much of your older catalog as I can, and what a shame! Just <laughs> every I woke okay. up with it in my head this morning. Wow. 
It was just, I just woke up and it's, it's playing in my head. Was, yeah, I have that same thing happen to me right now. And um, I was actually telling I am this yesterday is that uh, at some point, I'm, I'm guessing, I don't really know, but I must have been like humming to myself while I was like doing the dishes or something. But instead of like it, the song, not that I even like the song <laughs> at all, but the song exists. I exist. <laughs> And I was humming it. It's like Chattanooga Choo Choo. Oh. And, it go, and, and instead of like, pardon me, boy, yeah. is that the Chattanooga Choo Choo? Every morning for like weeks now, I've been waking up to Particle Boy. <laughs> is that the Chattanooga Choo Choo? Oh, my. I, I don't know why. It makes no <laughs> sense. I have nothing to add to it. But it's oh, my gosh. Stuck in my head. And um, I, yeah, I'm going to be jumping out like a 13th story window <laughs> with that in my head. <laughs> you know, you've got to do something but with that now. The 13th floor, uh, the, the 14th. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe. The, well, see, that's a sign that you shouldn't do okay, that. Maybe then. the first floor. But All right. First, first floor we could deal with. You're going to have to do something with Particle Boy now. It's going to have to be some kind of song about particle maybe yeah, that's well, how about i let you do something with it all right i'll figure i'll, okay. I'll, I'll figure something out i'll send it to you Thank we'll get we'll get lanigan okay, to throw I'm some vocals you. on it okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that you know earworms yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you've given me a couple so that that right. that's good so where now where can when is the album coming out when can people where can people find it and uh um the, the, you can just look just stay on social media for now i'm gonna really i'm going to release beautiful machine the title track and the song is a single i believe it's gonna be february 10th um maybe that'll be after this podcast but it'll be it'll be february okay and um that then there's going to be a few more singles before full albums released cool um, so I would say somewhere around the spring. Okay. Um, but, but I'm not, I'm not actually sure. What's a good way for people to follow you so they can keep track on, uh, of this? At the moment, I, w- I would, I would just say, look for me on, on social media, follow my, um, Facebook page, um, Instagram page, Twitter okay. account, and Twitter page. Just at Matt Boroff? Yeah. Just look for me, Matt Boroff. I, as far as I know, I'm the only... Matt Boroff making music. <laughs> I think so. I think, according to German Wikipedia, you 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 are. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, then it must be true. <laughs> Matt, man, I have kept you a while. This has been a interesting, strange show full of breaks and reconnections and weird shit going on. But uh, I wanted to thank you so much for joining me today, man. It's it's been oh, a blast. Thank you. It's, it's really been a pleasure. And uh, really, I'm happy to be here. Oh, it's it's great, and uh, I'm I'm anxious for this one to come out. Uh, sure, I can sure, let you yeah. have the rest of your evening with your wife. And uh, no, I'm I'm good time wise. You want to ask me another question? That's fine too. <laughs> let me well, let me see let me see what I got here. Uh, let's see. Um, all I have right now is that one of the first things I thought of when hearing the first new al- the first few tracks off the new album is that it's I can hear a little bit of, of some like. New Wave meets industrial stuff. So it's kind of like Devo yeah. doing Nine Inch Nails covers sung by Neil Young being sexed up by Mark Lanigan. Okay. Well, uh, it's true. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's just... Uh... But there's a good variety. It's not just... It's, it's not just... You know, it doesn't sound like just an electronic album. 
No, I mean, I, I hope not. You know, that it's really, um, yeah, I hear, you know, there's aspects of, you know, maybe, um, things like Massive Attack or Portishead or Cinematic Orchestra. I hear, yes. I hear things like that. influence on me for a long time um like his album a couple of them really another green world uh discreet music no pussyfooting oh that's that's anything uh, I don't know, is the album called no pussyfooting because it's, it's two songs on it with robert fripp is no pussyfooting and swastika girls yeah i think it's just called and, no uh, pussyfooting. That, that was a big one tons of david bowie uh a lot of film soundtracks and a lot of uh you mentioned devo i love devo uh you know but uh it's not i guess that's more of what I, i'd like to hear what other people how, how they react to it but i certainly didn't start out and say well this is going to be a you know devo meets neil young meets uh, <laughs> <laughs> record but it comes across that way some good company so well, it's it's great i mean and it makes sense now that i'm speaking with you and knowing your visual background and, and how that influences your music the album actually makes even more sense to me now because it, it comes across like you're writing for a film maybe yeah in a way i i think i am i always have been <laughs> now, do you still yeah, film anyone's scene? Yeah. <laughs> now, do you still do any drawing? Not as much as I'd like to, but uh, I I do. Yeah, not that often, but I do. I, I work in graphics a lot as well. Did you do the uh, artwork for your SoundCloud page? Because I'm looking at that right now, and it's looks architectural. And I'm uh, just no, that's at... a, that, that's uh, that's a photo that I did not take. That looks. Awesome. It, it it actually it matches the music perfectly. Well, that yeah, that was the idea. Thanks. Thank but uh, the other albums I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean maybe there's something I have to really think through that, and I'm sure I had help here and there. Well, I, I was just I'm just curious because if um, when you're writing and releasing, are you know are you thinking about the artwork that you're going to be releasing? with the album do you does that or do you, is that uh, like an app i think it, there's afterwards? always you know there there's impressions i get and um i and i speak on a regular basis and and he's somebody that um we really think alike in some of those areas you know and he, he's yeah. really um somebody that thinks in uh, really does well with like abstractions you know hears certain things and and is um really feel strongly about uh certain colors and certain images and certain sounds and yeah um a lot of our uh relationship both as friends and as musicians is really based on uh, our discussions about things like that and i'm sure that uh he he's in within a lot of those covers as well so and we so we've mentioned ian ottaway 
several times mm-hmm. throughout this episode, and he was working with Black Rebel Motorcycle Club with their website on the Ask Iron. I'm not sure if he's doing. I think they canceled he, that section of his. No, of I think he's. I think he's back. Oh, good. That would be good. But and so, how did you meet Ian? I met Ian because of uh, working with Mark Lanigan, and Ian's always been like a real, um, you know, sort of a much. I would say more than a fan of Mark's because he's had a platform as well, and and, and with the BRMC page and he's always able to um you know put things that he feels passionate about passionate about on that platform yeah and uh yeah he he had uh done that with um the first song i did with mark and we we um met through that and i started um we just started to talk on a regular basis and and one thing led to another and we've always um you know, as I after or during when I've recorded something, um, you know, everybody that I think that's doing, uh, you know, making songs or making films or a photographer, you know, he's a, you always have a couple of close friends that you share things with. And, yeah. And, um, you know, with Ian and my wife, Marion, it, it, it's just always been like my little circle. And so um, we uh, always had that. You know, for the, the last few albums, I guess it was. Okay. And so when it came to his songs, it seemed like a, a natural progression for me to uh, record them and, and work with him and produce them. Now, do you, so he, do, you do you do that uh, for a lot of people or do you? No, I don't. You know, I've thought about it, but it's, it's just always. And the main reason is that. Um, you know, when, if you're in, if you're doing things in like this DIY mode like I am, it just takes so much time to, uh, to do it. And, uh, I, I don't yeah. have a lot of, uh, time for, for doing that. But for him, um, yeah, I made an exception. I'm really glad I did because we're both really excited about it. And I, I feel like he has, um, you know, he has a very unique and, uh, I think important slant on things that's all his own that is is really uh i think worth hearing Uh, and i think a lot of people are really gonna resonate with it and um i think people have been familiar with a lot of aspects of that side of him but they've never uh been able to kind of uh experience it in such a concretized packaged uh format like here's a song Right. Here's another one, and, and it's really um. So I, I know he's excited about it. I'm really excited about it, and he came to my studio in Austria. Oh wow! And recorded the songs, and um, after he sung them, that I went back and um sort of redid aspects of the music, and then um he did he he resang things um at home from where he was he was living in Berlin at the time and it was sort of like this volley back and forth where I'd change a thing then he'd change a thing and at some point we're like it's done (laughs) um, the most important thing I think um, I'd want to relate to the public about him coming to Austria in my studio and uh, recording that is that while he was here he stayed he, he had come from the U.S. 
and was heading back to Berlin. So he traveled from uh, you know, a bunch of connecting flights and like got into Zurich. And then he stayed at this like little hotel in a village, like somewhere near where I live in Austria. Okay. And there's like this little quaint hotel. It's like a whole like mom pop family operation. Okay. Where everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And um, the, the the way that uh, some people travel with like a I don't know this uh, like a, a lucky rabbit's foot or something like that. Right. Well, he he travels with uh, a wolf skin, an entire wolf skin. Oh. And a collection of rubber dildos. <laughs> so at some point, he unpacked the contents of his suitcase and laid it out across his bedspread with this wolf skin, you know, four or five rubber dildos. <laughs> and then I picked him up and we did the session. And he realized oh, I left it on the bed and the maid came in in this quaint oh. little hotel. And, so, and I'm, I'm just imagining, like, how do you um, connect the wolf skin and the dildos. Oh my but whatever God. story you got, what you come up with is going to be a great story. Oh my God. So, um, that's, um, that's, uh, yeah. Iron meets Austria. I got to so, find that maid and have her on the podcast. Huh? But yeah, you do. Man. So I, well, um, yeah, well, that's that's one way to end this. That's one way to end this. Um, but I have one more question I want to ask you. And it's just kind of yeah, a general on. question. I just, what's the uh, what's what's the music scene like in Austria? I mean, I, I know what it's like in in certain areas, like in D.C., uh, Northern Virginia, New Jersey. What's... You know, I don't. There, there are certain uh, certain audience or certain fans that are familiar with me. And, and my music, and I'm lucky enough where when I go out and play in Austria that they they show up. But I'm not to be to be brutally honest, I'm not really part of a particular scene here. Okay. And the good thing about Austria is it's uh, geographically it's really central in the middle of Europe. And if I you know I, I travel uh, north, I'm in Germany. If I travel south, I'm in Italy. And if I travel travel uh, further north, I'm in Scandinavia. And it's it's really um, it, it's more about playing in different parts of Europe. Nothing against Austria, but it's small, and I think you right. can only really play in a place like that um, so often w without overdoing it. Okay. And um, my music is certainly not part of any current thing that's going on at the moment. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure there are current things that are going on at the moment that are completely new. Um, that have just been born and people are really excited about them, but I don't know what they are. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm probably not really a great person to ask. <laughs> I'm just really like, uh, I don't know, like offbeat antiquated uh, idea of what, what the scene is. <laughs> Damn, I was going to, I was hoping to come to Austria and break a band or two, but oh well. Well, maybe, maybe you should. I mean, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm not saying don't, but I'm saying like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I can tell you what I see, but it, there's a limit to it. Right. And it's more about Europe to me still when, when you're, uh, playing shows and I don't think you really can really concentrate 
Europe is smaller and, you know, one country, you can't just stay there and play over and over. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, you can stay there. You just can't play over. Well, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, man, thank you so much. I really appreciate you spending so much time with me and 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 oh, it's been my pleasure Bill. sharing you, your music with me. It, it's I had texted you before. I'm annoyed with my with myself for not knowing about it earlier because I'm really diving into it. I'm really, really enjoying it. It's stuck in my head. Thank you. Appreciate that. Headlights approaching Yeah, I should have slammed on the brakes I should have turned around without ever looking back I guess I should have learned from my mistakes I lost my shadow in red midnight I lost my heart inside a hole I lost all of my money on a sure thing Along this crooked road It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.